Welcome back to another episode of The Property Management Show. I'm your host, Marie Tepman from 4 and Half Marketing Agency. Over the last decade, we have dedicated ourselves to helping property managers like you grow their businesses by getting more owner leads from marketing. Whether you need help with a website, SEO, content, reputation management, paid ads like pay-per-click, you name it, we could help you. Visit our website forandhalf.com to get started on long-term growth today. That's F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F.com. Today's guest is a longtime four and half client, and he runs a successful property management business in Northern California called Bayside Management and Leasing. It's none other than Jeff Hacker, and it's actually his birthday today. Welcome to the show, Jeff, and happy birthday. Thank you, Rui. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's, it feels like it's been forever. It feels like a world away since we last had you as a guest. Yes, it's been, I think, two, maybe three years. I think it was right before COVID hit that the last time I was there. And I was in person with you and Brittany. So it's quite a change to do this stuff remotely. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you've been a long time client. You've been in the industry for, for a very long time, right? In fact, I, I believe you started in like 2004. Or- yes, 2003 is sort of when I got started here with Bayside, though Bayside has been around for almost 30, 40 years now. But I, I really got started in 2003, so it's been 20 years now. Yeah, I mean, it, when you hear the number, it sounds big, but bet doesn't feel that way, huh? No, it doesn't. The time passed very quickly. Yeah, and so, you know, given that you started in around 2003, you obviously were there during the great financial meltdown of 07 to 09. So um, can you give our audience a bit, kind of like a bit of color into how that crisis unfolded, um, you know, in your business, kind of like when you were um, in property management back then? So, um, you know, it's, you know, that's actually going back a number of years, right? It's like 10 years plus, you know, trying to go back to try to remember on that. Um, from what I recall, you know, it started out actually fairly slowly at first. You know, you started, you know, I, I keep, you know, pretty good track of trends that are going on in the industry, especially as it pertains to real estate, since that's kind of the core business here. And so, you know, over time, you started seeing like default rates go up and you started seeing, you know, more negative news in terms of, you know, people not being able to make mortgages, you started to late on mortgages, default rates going up and stuff like that. So, you know, you sort of had an inkling that something might be going on. At the time, though, you didn't really know how severe it was going to be. And I think most people are fairly optimistic, you know, when they look at these types of things and then say, oh, yeah, you know, we've gone through these cycles before. You know, this is not unusual, right? You know, you had the savings and loan debacle, you know, a few years prior to that. And so, so I think most people feel like, oh yeah, you know, this is just sort of one of those things that, you know, will pass in a fairly short period of time. It's not going to be anything significant, right? Um, but then as time wore on, you know, 2007 wore on, 2008, 2009, you know, it became, you know, truly catastrophic, you know, and, and, and the, the significance of it, I think, you know, was pretty widespread and people became pretty aware of it, but it was well into it before people really became aware of truly what was going on. Uh, from a property management point of view, I mean, we're sort of lucky in some respects because while there is no industry that is, you know, truly recession-proof, 
I would have to say that property management in general can probably weather it better than most companies or industries can simply because people need a place to live, right? So, so if they're not owning a house, right, then they're renting is really what it comes down to. I mean, yeah, you have quite a few people that live on the streets, the homeless, which is unfortunate, but for the most part, it's either people who own a house or they're renting. So from that point of view, you know, property management is slightly insulated, though not completely insulated, you know, from the effects of that. But what we saw that kind of clued us into a lot of this was is that as it was slowly unfolding sort of early in, you know, we started getting applications for the vacancies where people had like defaults, you know, they owned a home, but, you know, they admitted that they were in default or that they had a home that foreclosed on them and various things like that. So we started getting a lot of applications for that. And then we started, you know, digging into it. It's like, well, you know, it shows that you have a foreclosure, you know, you don't meet our credit, you know, criteria, you know, what's going on. And then that's when they would say, it was like, well, you know, we purchased the home, you know, it was an income only loan, you know, type of thing. And then, you know, interest rates started going up, we couldn't afford it anymore. And then all of a sudden you had the home value decrease. And so, you know, we ordered more in the house and the house was worse. So we just walked away from it. Right. And a lot of these people put down maybe 5%. Some even had, you know, no down payments that they had to put into it. So there was really no skin in the game for a lot of these people, right? You know, it's just like, oh, I borrowed 100% of the mortgage and, you know, you know, the house is worth less than what the mortgage is. So what's the point of me, you know, sticking around this house, making a paint? I might as well just walk away. And that's what a lot of people did. So, yeah. And so, you know, so you were describing kind of like how it slowly unfolded and kind of the red flags that were coming up, right? Um, as this whole crisis was was happening. So, you know, as you mentioned, property management is a unique industry that even though it's not 100% um, recession proof, it could still be affected. What were some of the things that you and your, you know, your, your team, you learned um, living through a crisis like that? Well, one of the things that, you know, we definitely learned was to be, you know, significantly more proactive, you know, with landlords, you know, or clients, right? You know, giving them a heads up as to really what's going on and what the potential implications may mean because of this, right? Um, you know, what transpired with the financial meltdown, it occurred along with the recession, so you had a lot of job layoffs, right? You know, sometimes this stuff happens, sometimes it doesn't. But one of the things that we should have been more prepared for was the number of job layoffs and then what that meant in terms of vacancies, right? So it's, it's like, you know, if somebody loses their job, you know, they might be okay for a month or two, but then the likelihood is that they'll either vacate the place because they'll back, move back in with parents or they'll move in with friends of theirs so that they can consolidate debt. Or, you know, they took a job out of state, out of, out of the city, out of state, and then they moved entirely to wherever the new job is. Um, and since, you know, the business environment was also hit and you had a lot of layoffs, you know, that meant that you probably were sitting on vacancies, you know, far longer than what you normally would. And then not only that, you probably would have to rent them out at a rent that was less than what you were just recently getting. So it would have been we should have been more proactive with our owners, you know, to let them know that this is what's coming and here's what you can expect. You can probably expect longer vacancies and probably less rents than what you were getting. The other thing that we could have done too is probably work with the owners a little bit more diligently in terms of, 
you know, getting them to maybe reduce the tenant's rent, right? In terms of it, so, so that you could then keep the tenant as opposed to losing the tenant. Yes, you're going to get less rent, but you're also not going to sit on a vacancy then because, you know, you're forced to tenant out because the tenant can't afford to live there. And so, so you mentioned, you know, large layoffs and, you know, it's a fact on vacancies and you manage properties in, um, you know, the kind of the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, where a lot of the tech companies that are laying off workers reside. Um, has your business been affected? And what proactive measures has your company taken to prepare your owners about any potential like ripple effects of this? So that's, that's a good question. So one of the things that we've done is, you know, this, this time around, we have been proactive with our owners and letting them know that, you know, you do have a massive amount of layoffs happening in the tech sector here. So that's potential that that could impact the tenant base where, you know, somebody gets laid off and then they decide that they're going to move out of the area, take a job somewhere else. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of jobs that have been lost to Texas, Florida, you know, South Carolina. So there's been a lot of, you know, migration out of this area and out of California to those areas where there's, there's some growth. But at the same token, you know, here in California, there's been a lot of startups that have been around. And so a lot of the people that have been laid off are finding jobs fairly quickly, you know, with smaller companies and staying in the area. But we did bring it to the attention of the owners that we have that this is a possibility. They should be prepared for this and that instead of raising the rents, they should either consider holding rents flat or maybe even giving them a break for a year and dropping the rent as an incentive to keep them in place as opposed to potentially losing somebody. So we did reach out to our owners to let them know that. And we've actually got a fairly positive response from our owners when we've done that. So that, that was a good thing. Did you encounter any owners that pushed back and essentially just fired you because they're like, lowering rent, that's crazy. Right, yeah. Yeah, you know, we haven't we haven't lost any accounts yet because of it, but we have had a number of owners who pushed back and you know, unfortunately, there's, you know, a number of owners everywhere that are trying to maximize, you know, the value of their investment. So, you know, every year they're trying to get rent increases, you know, out of their tenants and out of the properties that they manage, which, you know, makes sense. I mean, every year costs go up. You know, if you take a look at what's going on with inflation, you know, over the last, you know, year, year and a half, I mean, it's impacted everybody, including landlords. You know, property taxes go up, insurance goes up, basic maintenance goes up right? Water bills go up, you know, garbage bills go up, you know, so to say, you know, they want to make sure that, you know, they have those costs covered and that they're still getting, you know, a good return on investment. So it's not surprising that we have, you know, a handful of owners push back. I mean, it's good to know that even though there were owners who pushed back, um, it wasn't as bad as like actually losing them. It sounds like once you actually explain kind of the big picture, they were on board, right? Yes. Yes, definitely. Good. You know, once once you give them a, a nice big picture view of truly what's going on, I think most of them truly understand it. And then, you know, it's sometimes easy to, you know, make numbers really work and speak for themselves. You're right. You know, if you're holding out to get $300 more a month, but it's going to take you four months to fill that vacancy instead of, you know, dropping the rent and filling it in 30 days. I mean, that math, you know, speaks for itself fairly quickly. So, and most, most of the owners that we have, you know, understand that and, they can see that big picture view. Yeah, it, it's good. It's good when you're able to paint the big picture, right? Because, you know, real estate investing 
is a long-term game, right? So reminding your owners about that is really critical. Um, and so, you know, given that we're all at the cusp of this new recession, is there anything as a business owner that like keeps you up at night that you're worried about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like in 2008, 2009, you know, we had a lot of investors, you know, leave to self-manage, you know, their own properties, you know, just because they needed to save costs and stuff like that. And so, you know, even though the services themselves are, in my opinion, not that expensive and worth the investment that you make because, you know, your property managers are the professionals that know what's going on. You know, they, they keep up with all the changes in regulations and so on and so forth. You know, some owners just needed to save that hundred or dollars a month. And so they self-manage. So one of the things that we did differently, and again, this year too, is yeah, you know, we worked with our owners and we had what we called an outreach program to try to minimize churn. You know, so that's one of the growth objectives that we have for this year is to try to minimize, you know, the churn that you have, right? Um, so, you know, we, we had an outreach program and reached out to all of our owners, you know, just kind of saying, hi, you know, here's what's going on, you know, here's, you know, what's happening in the industry and stuff like that, to just kind of give them a heads up. And that if it seemed like they were sort of cost sensitive, you know, we even potentially work with them a little bit, maybe to reduce our fees, you know, to kind of give them a break for a little bit as, as a way to just kind of keep them on board. So, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So, um, well, first I've been hearing that a lot from other property management companies, this like proactive outreach to owners, because most of the time owners hear from you when something goes wrong with a property, so it's never good. And so you want to kind of change that association with like when you call it's not always you know bad um sometimes you just want to talk about your goals and and you know the, the growth of your portfolio um and so my first question is like when did you start doing that and how did you implement it because then you know it's one thing to say the company's going to do it it's another to, to figure out like well who's going to do it in the company how do we make sure that it's being done properly the talking points are um like are, are good, you know? Right. Yeah, we started that uh, probably right around the end of the summer last, you know, last year, like the August, September timeframe is when we did that. And before we did that, though, is we had a complete staff training to where we, you know, produced sort of the script ahead of time. So, you know, here's the script, here's how we want this to go. You know, here's your talking points. And then what we did is, is we sat down, you know, as a group went through it, you know, had a couple of practice sessions and then the person that reached out to the owner is the person who has the best relationship, you know? So for the most part here at Bayside, you know, we have a portfolio management where each property manager has their own properties that they're responsible for. So most of the outreach happened with the property manager and the client. Some of them I got involved in just because they're bigger clients. We had, you know, they have multiple properties with us. And so oftentimes, and, you know, I would reach out to those clients and, 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 you know, go through the same script. Yeah. I think that's really important to train people. I, I think um, it's very tempting as a business owner to just assume, oh, people know what to do. People know what to talk about. Um, and so to hear that you actually had a whole team training, you kind of, did practice sessions like mock co owner conversations uh, i feel like it's really helpful and so um the other piece that you mentioned was um oh it was the tip of my tongue and then it 
what was it? So you talked about like proactive. Oh, okay. Okay. So that, that's really, that's really good that you scheduled in like a team session where you trained people on the talking points, you even had like mock conversations to simulate what it would be like. So I feel like that's really powerful and actionable. Um, another thing you mentioned was in some instances, you offered to lower your management fee so that owners would stay. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, that, that's, you know, that's probably going to be pretty surprising to quite a few people out there. But I mean, you know, we do have some investors out there that have always been sort of very cost conscious, right? You know, they, they are willing to put into the properties what they need to put into the properties to keep them, you know, in decent shape. But they're not ones to necessarily go out and remodel it and bring in all the latest amenities and various things like that for what people are truly looking for today. And so, you know, from our experience in 2008, 2009, it's a lot of those people then that, you know, left us because, you know, they were concerned about costs and wanted to make sure that they kept the cost for the property, you know, at a minimum. So, you know, we kind of identified, you know, in our, you know, client base who those, you know, potential clients may be. And so, you know, we reached out to them, you know, and talked to them about what's going on and stuff like that. We didn't proactively offer to drop our rates with them. Um, but if it seemed like, you know, they were sort of on the cusp and they may consider leaving because they need to save costs, you know, then you know, we, you know, talk to them about maybe dropping our fees for a short period of time to kind of weather the storm and stuff like that. Um, so, and that was only a very, very small handful of, of clients that we had to do that. With. Yeah. I feel like that's really um, interesting because, you know, like the industry is becoming more and more, um, conscious about key metrics and you mentioned that churn is a metric that your company wants to improve this year and so it, it sounds a lot like you're very proactive you had already identified the people in your client base that would be susceptible to churning and then you already had this plan in place so that once you had that proactive owner conversation if it seemed like they're you know kind of on the fence about staying or leaving you kind of have your people had this in their back pocket, so to speak. Right. They did. Yeah. And, you know, from, from my perspective, I mean, when you take a look at it, and I think four and a half has done a really good job in looking at, you know, sort of the cost of acquisition. Right. And you now you've got, you know, your marketing programs, you potentially have a salesperson, you know, you have your Google AdWords, you know, if you go out and, you know, purchase an existing portfolio. You know, at, at some point in time, you know, you need to sit down and take a look at, well, what did that really cost me? Right. And I think for a lot of people, I think they'll find that, you know, the cost of acquiring a new, you know, new account is probably somewhere between two and three thousand dollars, you know, to acquire that account. You know, the lifetime value is probably three to four times that, which is good. So it still makes sense. But when you look at, Potentially, you know, dropping your fees, just this margin doesn't have to be significant. It can be a very small amount. When you look at it from that point of view, it's an existing customer. You know, you've had them for a long time. You don't want to lose them. And so, you know, I look at it as sort of the reverse where, yeah, it's it's like the cost of acquisition. It's a cost sustained, but that cost sustained is less than what it acquired, what you, what we pay to acquire a new client. So it's, you know, to me, it's it's a benefit. I mean, if you can get away not having to do it, even better. But you, you know, it's less expensive than going out and trying to acquire a new a new client. 
And then in this business, you know, it's a very competitive business, right? You know, everybody's you know, going after, you know, the self-managed, you know, everybody's trying to find the investors, you know, everybody's trying to go over business. And so it's a very competitive business. So it's a, it's a small price to pay to keep your existing client base, you know, I think it's worth it. Out of curiosity, how did you create boundaries around that offer? So let's say an owner was at risk of churning and then your your team offered this like reduction in management fees to kind of help them to stay. Was there, obviously there has to be some caveat. Is it like discounted forever or was it no. like, yeah. No, the most that we ever did it for was just one year, right? So we offered to just reduce, you know, the, the rate, you know, that we charge just for one year. And really it was just designed to sort of get over this potential inflation, um, potential recession that might be coming or might not be coming, right? So it was just a way to sort of get over that. And another way to kind of get over potentially uh, having to do reduce rents, you know, or maybe not get a rent increase, right? You know, keeping rents flat. So it was a way to sort of, you know, work through those potential issues. As far as identifying those those people, that was really largely based on the relationships that each of the property managers have with the clients. And, you know, they've worked with these clients for a number of years, you know, so they had a pretty good idea of, you know, sort of the sentiment that these clients have, sort of what their attitudes are for this, that, or whatever else. And so for those, you know, it was kind of based on their recommendations that when we had this outreach program, you know, they may be one of the ones that, you know, we want to potentially have this available for if we need to use. Yeah, that's really great information. And so um, you obviously keep a very close eye to the current trends in the market and kind of try to project what's coming down the line. And in fact, the last time we had you on the podcast, you were talking about the trends in the industry. So it's been a couple of years since now. What has changed and what are things that other property management professionals or people who are thinking of starting in property management should look out for? Oh boy, you know that's that's a that's a big question. Uh, there's a lot of things that have changed, you know, for sure. Um, you know, number one is, is yeah, you know, you had a lot of people, you know, sort of chasing investment properties, right? I mean, you had big pocketed people, you have you know marginal pocketed people, you had small pocketed people, but everybody was trying to you know, purchase those homes, right? Um, you have the famous example of what happened with Zillow, right? And you know, sort of the crash with Zillow. But you had a lot of people, you know, going after these properties for investments, which, you know, obviously drove up, you know, property values substantially, you know, around the country and, you know, a little more so in certain pockets where it was, you know, those were the more desirable you know, cities to be in, for example, right? And so it just got to the point where it just wasn't feasible anymore, right? You know, home prices couldn't keep going up. You know, there's only so much in the market, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, these people that were buying homes were keeping, you know, first-time home buyers from being able to get in the market, et cetera, right? Um, so, you know, so that was one of the big things that, you know, really happened, you know, which, you know, if you, you got in on that good for you, right? As a property management company, if, if your, you know, city was one of those where you had a lot of investors coming in, if you had the right outreach, you know, right marketing tools, you probably did very well in acquiring a lot of accounts, you know, which is a good thing, right? But again, that's, you know, not sustainable, 
at, at, at any stretch of imagination to get to the point where you know the rents that you get you know don't even cover your cost anymore and so a lot of the small investors that's probably not a tenable long-term position for them whereas for like the big pocketed investors they probably don't care as much because you know carrying loss is okay as it helps them to write off other gains right so so it just kind of depends on that you know the other big trend that has certainly happened you know, over the last three to five years is just the automation. You know, everything's become automated, right? You know, from, you know, showing vacancies, you know, to, you know, management platforms that, you know, operate on for accounting, for, you know, work orders, you know, name it. So it's everything's become automated, you know, which is a good thing. And so that makes, you know, the user experience for owners better. It makes the user experience for tenants a lot better. You know, it gives them another platform to communicate, you know, and then, you know, more importantly, it allows the management company to really, you know, track and show to the owners, you know, all the work that's being done on the properties because it's all sort of there captured in one area. You know? Yeah. And so along with this automation um, comes this notion that it's easy, right? Because <laughs> if you could just sign up for a few piece of software and then basically do what a property manager does, then, you know, it adds the competitiveness of the industry because you're not just competing with other property management companies. You have to compete with the notion of self-management that's have become so easy because of automation. That's true. That's true. You know, people think of it that way, but, you know, unfortunately it, it really isn't, right? You know, there's still a lot of things that you need to know. Um, in terms of just how the software operates, you know, what benefits can you get from it, how you can deploy it, you know, how it benefits the owner from, you know, making things more efficient with property owner, how it benefits the tenants and you know, gives the tenants a much better experience and making things more efficient for them so that they feel like, you know, inquiries into the management company are responded to time, for example. Yeah. And so given all the changes in the environment since we last spoke, um, and given the the fact that we're all at the cusp of a new recession, are you expecting a lot of growth for your company in the next couple of years? And if so, why? And what are you doing about it? Yeah, yeah I'd like to say that. Yeah, yeah, I'm expecting you know, you know, really big growth. But you know, the reality is, is that every year I try to focus on a growing company at least five to ten percent, right? And in Previous years, you know, we were pretty successful and always being able to do that, especially from like 2010 into like 2020, um, you know, 22 even to some degree. Um, so it was, you know, pretty easy to do that. Um, you know, we've always sort of had a focus on trying to keep our client base, but this year in particular, we're really focusing on trying to maintain our client base because, you know, that's also another good way of growth, right? You know, so you may not get five to ten percent new clients let's say you only get three percent new clients but you save you know three percent of your clients in effect that's like a six percent growth right so so we're really focused on trying to maintain our existing base is what we're doing so and you know i'd like to think that we could get you know still five to ten percent but you know it's a very competitive industry so we'll see yeah i think that's a really insightful thing that you brought up a lot of people who talk about growing a property management company hyper focus on getting new customers in without paying enough attention to are you keeping the customers you already have? So 
it's basically the leaky bucket, right? You keep filling the bucket, but then you have, you're not, you're not really paying attention to the leaking. So you keep thinking like, why do I keep filling it and never gets full? And it's because you're not paying attention to everything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just, you just can't focus on marketing and sales. You know, you actually have to spend, you know, a lot of time, probably even more time focusing on the customer service, right? Because once you have them as a client, you know, you want to make sure that you can maintain them as a client. And, you know, this is a service business. So, you know, the only way you can do that is providing, you know, really top-notch customer service until their client can the property. Yeah, very well said. And so thank you so much, Jeff, for sharing those insights and learnings with us, as well as giving us an overview of the big trends to look out for in property Your management. Pleasure, as always. Thank you. That's a wrap for this episode of the Property Management Show, brought to you by Four and Half, the marketing agency that keeps your property management business booming. From websites, SEO, to content creation, reputation management, even pay-per-click advertising and social media, we do it all. Visit our website, fourandhalf.com, that's F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F.com to get your business booming today. Again, if you are enjoying this podcast, please go ahead and leave us a review. Show us some love on your favorite podcast app so that others can find us too. Thanks for listening and see you next time.